everyone. Welcome to another Big Show Show. My name is Anish and I'm here with Gareth Tude and we're back again for NRF's Big Show 2024. I'm very excited to be here. Gareth, what are your, what are your thoughts as we head into NRF 2024? Well, I'm very excited to be here again. It's a very different show this year. You know, the, um, last year we just came out of COVID. Retail was in its trading despite the fact of all those difficulties associated with COVID. Now the challenges have changed. So I'm expecting a very different show this time. Yeah, me too. I'm interested to see how we uh, tackle some of the big issues that uh, we're facing into. So we've seen all of this work on things like AI, and that's going to play a whole bunch of, make, make a whole bunch of noise, I think, this year. I'm going to be really interested to see how, how, the, how people lean into that. But I think you're right. I think it's going to be interesting to see how people are facing into the, you know, the response to the bump that COVID gave a lot of the result numbers. It's going to be Certainly interested. What about sessions? What kind of sessions are you thinking about? Uh, you're, you're looking forward to before sessions. Maybe just let's expand a bit on those challenges because the world is different in a couple of ways, and the, and the main way is the pie is shrinking. Mm. Uh, so it's a smaller pie this year than it was last year. So the big challenge for retailers is looking for ways to grow, and I'm interested to hear what people are saying about that, and interested to see what retailers are doing about that. So that's my, my big thing. I'm also particularly interested in how they're addressing this emerging issue of retail crime. You know, some mm-hmm. people say it's really just coming back from pre private levels, but it's definitely at least changing its face. You know, it's a new type of way, what's a new type of uh, forms it's taking. I think the other thing in terms of retail challenges is people. It's simply harder to recruit and keep them than it was, especially uh, to pay them the right money to keep them in the business. The fourth thing I think that uh, challenges the industry and that everybody will be looking for is what technology can do to help them. Tech has been the great facilitator of change, you know, way back to the advent of the barcode in the 1980s. And I think retailers are always interested in seeing how can tech help you face these challenges. So before we talked about that, I think we were talking about you know, sessions we're looking forward to. There's, as usual, just too many sessions to mention. Mm. But I'll be looking for sessions that feature retailers that I'm really into, you know, the ones that always are innovating. And they're people like Walmart and people like uh, uh, Amazon. Dollar General, it's not a brand that's well-known in uh, Australia, but they've been adding about a 1,000 stores a year to their footprint for the past five or six years. It's incredible growth. Uh, I want to hear more about that, especially with the strained economic conditions, um, you know, theoretically playing in there. Another one I really like is exporting good yeah. goods and how they're thriving, despite the disintermediation of companies like Nike, who are also doing great. So that'll be some brands I'm looking for. Trust the sessions that feature the Aussies. We've got came up West Farmers here. Look forward to that. Um, what about you, Andrew? Um, I've got I've got a lot actually that I'm excited about. The big one being we we know and we've written a lot and spoken a lot about innovation constantly being kind of misrepresented as technology. That technology is the innovation itself, when we know it isn't. You know, the the, the problem that we're solving is the innovation. I think in a year where you know everyone hasn't shut up about AI, yeah. I think there's going to be you know you you I think you said it the other day. You could be forgiven for looking at the agenda this year and thinking this is an AI conference. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is a potentially incredibly valuable piece of technology to enable innovation, 
Um, but I don't want us to get enthralled by it to the point where we get uh, we we overinvest and we 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 put it in places and start looking for problems for it to solve. So I'm really interested to see how the conversation actually forms and takes place. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to double down on your frontline piece. I think you know frontline is the next battleground, especially in the US, where there is this consistent need and desire for for uh, people to uh, attract the better you know better talent for better store experiences. And I you know I think um, having great tools, having great reward systems, having career pathways are all going to be important battlegrounds. So it's going to be really interesting to see how those things pop up. The other um, uh, type of uh, session as well as issue really that I'm interested in diving into is sustainability. We've seen really a year that's proven that there is still a massive gap between buyer intent and buyer action. We know people love and want to talk sustainability. They know they want to buy better and smarter and more thoughtfully, but then they don't. So what are we doing about that and how do we lean into that in a, you know, a, a market-led um, uh, economy like the US where there's very little government oversight and this kind of issue, I can see where it's probably going to go, but where does the rest of the world go? I think it's going to be interesting. So, you know, you and I both always say that the best part about NRF actually is usually going to the real world and seeing what it's like when you go out and visit some stores. What stores are you excited to go see? Well, as usual, I'm really interested in seeing the supermarkets here because if I may say, unlike Australia, it's a highly competitive sector here and that competition does drive a lot of innovation. When we were here in 2020, we saw Wegmans emerge into Brooklyn and cause a huge sensation. Since then, they've added two new stores. I know there's a new one uh, down in kind of Nomad, and uh, really looking forward to seeing what Wegmans uh, have done. Looking for some inspiration. Yeah, I mean, there's always inspiration um, on the island, but we always have to temper that with the knowledge that the average household income here is about $300,000 a year, which is not the real world. So the other stores I'm looking forward to is across the Hudson in New Jersey, uh, looking at what's really scalable in our markets. How about you, Andrew? Um, I, I live and breathe the real world, America, because I, that's where I shop. Um, so for me, I'm always going to get into what's new, what's exciting, what's different. Yeah. Um, you know, And we know we've, we've, we've touted and talked about many here who have been exciting but then don't exist anymore because they haven't followed through to that kind of scalable, profitable business model. But, you know, stores that really are changing the way categories are viewed, like Petco, we know, has got its new uh, store format and its new ready brand formats here in Manhattan. I'm excited to take people out and hear what they think and see when we see that and go through that, how you can really reinvent a category but also then expand new products in existing markets. That kind of, you know, avenue for growth I think is going to be fascinating. Yeah, that's something I just want to add on to. You know, what I've read and what I've seen so far, there's a real theme about blurring of boundaries. You know, we, you know, when I was a merchant, that was a cheap way to get growth. Mm. And if I may say, in some retailers, you know, they uh, maybe sell hardware, but then they add detergent. That's a cheap way for a merchant to get growth. But I'm talking about bigger things than that. I'm talking about the perennial digital physical, pushing, in, pushing the boundaries to find growth in other areas, uh, talking about... Um, product versus service boundaries blurring, um, talking about um, things like we've seen in New York before, but it's now becoming more prevalent. The barriers between formats, theme parks mm. and retail, between fuel, QSR and grocery, between liquor and smoking. Yeah. I think if you're looking for growth, you can be better uh, than your competition, or you can push 
into other people's space, and we're seeing seeing a lot of that. I'm looking forward to exploring that a bit. Yeah, for sure. And like it's it's happening so commonly here too, like with different ways too. Dark stores, dark dark warehouses for online fulfillment into you know markets that aren't traditionally yours. There's lots of that stuff happening, particularly in grocery. Grocery. It's going to be exciting. Anyway, that's enough from you and me. I think let's bring in our guests. Um, I'm excited to to have a chat with uh, Lucy Moffat and Marcy Larson. We'll we'll bring them in and hear what they're excited about for NRF 2024. All right, so I'm here with Lucy Moffat, Head of Retail and Supply Chain for Amazon Web Services in Australia, and Marcy Larson, Founder and CEO of Woven Group. And I cannot wait to dive in to see what we're thinking about NRF this year. So, Lucy, this is your first time at NRF, which is a rarity nowadays, and I'm excited to talk to you about what your expectations are. So you're heading in here. It's the biggest show. There's 36-ish plus thousand you know, attendees, um, hundreds and hundreds of vendors. We're in Manhattan, of course. We're you know, coming to you from the show. What are your expectations as you lean into NRF24? I'm a big SNL fan, so I do have to first say live from New York. Oh, live from New York. It's Saturday night. It's yeah. Saturday well, it is really. We're it's kind of... NRF. It's, it's, it's all happening, and... I'm very new to this role and so it's so serendipitous that I get to travel to the Big Apple and treat this as a huge learning experience. And so having a look at the agenda, it sounds like it's a great mix of strategy, leadership lessons, pure innovation, trends, all things that I'm really keen to learn about. And so bring it on. I'm I'm looking forward to experiencing it for the first time. I'm excited for you. And Marcy, you're... Like me, we've been here more times than we probably care to say out loud. I think I know. It's, 24 is a bit different. <laughs> what, are you, like, what are you expecting to be uh, different this year? Well, one, just observing the city, I think it's come back from yeah. last year. So I'm hoping to see more international presence. I'm wondering if sustainability may be resurfacing because I felt like that was downplayed last year. And I'm looking for signs around what I'm thinking is AI is becoming invisible. So out of the box, how is everyone making it easier? What kind of alliances are emerging um, between big tech providers and specific use cases? So that's some of the things. And just how NRF is expanding into other sub-industries. Like there's a lot this year on hospitality, so I'm kind of eager to see that as well yeah seeing the expo floor actually is going to be fascinating because there is definitely like this upswell of like capital r retail you know from everywhere from banking to services to all of these things that are forming kind of around corralling around this show which is going to be interesting you mentioned sustainability i was just with gareth a few minutes earlier and i was talking about how there's obviously still that massive gap between buyer intent and buyer action like you know i'm saying that i'm going to be more sustainable but then i'm actually not in my my buying activities. You look at the agenda and you could be very easily swayed that this is an AI conference and it's got nothing to do with retail at all. So I mean, I, there's very little sustainability in the agenda. So I can't wait to see how people do uh, to kind of bring it out in some way or not. Um, there is one, one interesting session on the topic of sustainability that I'm really keen on with PepsiCo. Mm. I can't wait. I think their CEO is going to be uh, headlining that one, so that's something to to make sure that we get to. Yeah, it's one of the keynotes, um, and I'm excited for it as well. It's on my, it's marked down on my agenda as a go to. Yeah. Um, sustainability is something that's important to me, and I, I, I'm excited to see big brands come out. Last year, if you remember, Marcy, the IKEA 
CEO in the US said that you know one of the biggest things he did to change the thinking around sustainability was make himself the chief sustainability officer as well as his CEO role. So there was no kind of like half person sitting off to the side. You know, you had to report to the CEO about your sustainability initiatives, and they saw this huge shift. So yeah, it is going to be interesting. What other sessions are you interested in, Tim? Is anything that's jumped out at you on the agenda that you're excited to see, or even just topic areas that you're excited to to see come to life? Well, it's great to see an Australian brand feature in Kmart, mm-hmm. um, and that's on day one. And knowing about the evolution and iterations of Kmart's gone through, I know they did some testing in the US, remember, mm-hmm. yeah. the pandemic, um, but they brought a lot of those learnings back and focus on engagement and sustainability. So I think that's going to be a great session of highlight innovation for the you took the words right out of my mouth. There are two really interesting sessions. One, uh, Ian Bailey, who I think mm. will be focusing on leadership and navigating the economic volatility to come out with great products at the lowest price. I'm just really keen to hear his thinking on that. And then another one, um, likewise, so good to see Australians on stage talking about their journey to the cloud, how this can help them improve their customer experience, drive operational efficiencies, and, and also bring the best products more cheaply to their customers. Yeah, it's, it's Martha Stewart, of course. <laughs> Martha Stewart and Drew, Drew Barrymore. Uh, got a couple um, coming out. Drew uh, Barrymore's into the direct consumer market. Space, she has. Yeah, it's all come from her show, the television show, I think, from memory. But yeah, like there's there's always a celebrity or two thrown in, isn't it? Spattered across the mix. Yeah. Well, speaking of celebrity, we were Marcy and I were talking about uh, Shay Mitchell's brand, Base Travel. Mm-hmm. So she started the luggage and travel and accessories company, and she's doing a session with the CEO of Glossier and the mm. consumer of Glossier. Really, so interesting to see how they've pivoted from purely direct-to-consumer to now omni-channel and a huge partnership with Sephora and how that's absolutely catapulted their brand. And so I'm really, really, really keen to hear that story. Also just really good retail behaviour at Glossier. Like they experimented with their big flagship store here a few years ago, which was massively unsustainable. It was beautiful, but it wasn't sustainable. And then now, of course, as you know, we've got one on our, on our virtual safari for the Glossier store that's here now that they, uh, they do a beautiful job of just executing retail really, really well. They create those Instagrammable moments. They blur the boundaries between online and offline. The pickup still got its beautiful Ferris wheel of motion where you come in and you see your product kind of spinning around this giant Ferris wheel from the product room. Like, they just do really smart execution jobs. And it's a, it's a cool retailer to watch. Oh, beautifully so. Data is everything in that business. And they kind of moved away... Well, we would have seen the flagship just on the tech stack side and everything was built in-house. I think now they're really thinking, where do we go out of box? When do we need to build in-house? So they've got a lot smarter around how do we take the best that's out there to modifies yeah. our sequence on the top. Exactly. And they, it's how you do make it feel like it's yours because there's so much happening in retail now like that ideal differentiation like how does your brand stand out it's going to be interesting we've uh we've spent the morning wandering some stores together what have been your highlights so far like you know manhattan's one of those weird places where you don't (laughs) always see stuff that's going to scale but you're definitely going to see some stuff that's unique um you know what what have your highlights been lucy 
I really loved going to Wakeman's. It was the first time I'd been into one of their stores. We went to, who were we, Midtown, uh, Midtown near East Village, yep. actually, just right on the edge. And what struck me was we were approached by the security guard. <laughs> he, Uh-oh. He, it's because you were with Garen. <laughs> he, he caught us sort of near the entrance yeah. just talking about how dazzled we were by uh, by the physical presence of the store. And he came over and gave us this spiel about how differentiated they are, <laughs> how they have amazing produce, how he's so proud to work at this company and then gave us a bunch of tips on, you know, go here, then go there, go downstairs, make sure you look at the food market, uh, the fish market. And so we followed all of his tips and tricks, and there's some really great retail experiential things embedded within there and also great offerings. So when we went down to the fish market, they very proudly talk about the fact that their fish is imported from Japan, mm. from Toyosu, and that's a big deal. And then purely by luck, they were carving up full-size bluefin and maguro tuna. Oh, wow. It would have been about 100 kilos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. supermarket. And, and, and watching watching that stall go from maybe three people to 30 people in two minutes just indicated to me the power of having the experience, theatre, and then also backed by an ex- just something that you can't get at a typical store. For sure. We went back to the grocery, um, we went back to the security guard at, at the end of it just said, thank you so much. It it was amazing to be able to see all of that. And he went on, by the way, another 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> another 10 minutes. Yeah, we probably yeah. got a higher than the storyteller. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. He was yeah. a perfect ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. Like, think of the culture that you have to create. Because you can't do that accidentally. That's a deliberate intent, you know, to, to create a culture where even... Yeah. The guy, man in the front door, is an advocate for your brand to that level of passion. They have showed up in the top top ten Forbes survey that came out this week as number one employer. They are number three, number four, and so retail's really yeah. doing well with employee engagement. It's not just tech anymore on that top one hundred list. Thank goodness, because <laughs> we like that. Retail's always been and will always be a human business. Gareth and I were talking, it's like even AI is still, you know, you go back 150 years, data was still everything in retail. It just happened to be stored in the head of the person selling on the shop floor. I remember you. I remember what your preferences are, what colors you like. You know, it's still still data. We do, we're just processing it using a different engine. You know, now we have new engines to process it, but the actual game of retail hasn't really changed. Um, and it's it's so interesting to see this frontline focus kind of come back in almost, you know, finally, because retailers have realized it's where the margin can come from. Like if you've got good people, you're going to make more money. Um, this is exciting. So we've, we've got, um, this is the first year where we've got a NRF in our own neck of the woods coming into Singapore later in the year, which is incredibly exciting. Announced last year on the main stage here at NRF 2023 um, in New York. What are you, what are your expectations of what's going to be different? Like what is, what is the world going to see when they come to Asia, you think, that is going to be different to when they come to New York? Marcy, let's go with you. Well, fresh consumers in growth nations. Mm. So impressive as New York is. And by the way, my highlight was Petco. We can go into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still excited by that. Can't be But I think that show is going to fall in delegates from Europe, 
I mean, I'm looking at her It's such an opportunity for all these to go and learn from other parts of Asia. Lucy and I were chatting around just the innovation that's happening now in Seoul, Korea, Japan, very different than here. Uh, and very unique. It's where you think that's closer to that part of the world. Yeah, like we, we were having a conversation earlier that we get asked a lot a lot about how do you enter the US successfully and it's just like, well, generally most most of the time you don't. Like you can certainly try. And we um one of the stores we have on our list is Cotton On, which has now got hundred and fifty four stores in the US. It's doing incredibly well. It's done one of the best jobs of jumping upon into the US market, but otherwise it's incredibly difficult. Whereas you've got this really rich a knowledgeable marketplace just north of us that we don't leverage anywhere near enough. So I'm interested to see that. But more importantly, from my perspective, is I want American retailers to go and see Asian retail because I think they'll learn a lot from it, from the traditional retail and the traditional marketplaces, which we all know because we've been to and it's filled with joy and cleverness and innovation of its own type and kind, to then the way brands you know, have evolved Hippo and all of those, uh, you know, and you see Alipay popping in and all that kind of stuff. There's a thousand different things that are going to be written. Payments, it's like. It's just evident. It's falling. It's very behind in payments. Yeah. I was going to say, I will say, except for AWS, I can can hop into. This is not, this is not a, this is not a genuine plug. This is a, this is, sorry, this is a genuine plug in the sense that, you know, I can pay with my palm and and Whole Foods now. Yeah, of course. the other thing is, is you know there has been a rise in crime, and we're seeing more things locked up here. Use any use QR codes to learn more about the product, get the products that you're in the Walgreens down the store. I just wanted to get some vitamins. It's like locked up. I can't find anymore. Mm-hmm. Eleven dollars. There's not a lot of innovation that we would see in yeah. a different level QR code. It's yeah. Easier. I agree. I agree completely. Thanks, COVID, for the QR code success. You know, and like, because it really has changed it. Now you can't. You know, you go to most restaurants, and that's your menu here now. You know, that's how you pay. You know, it's seen this massive shift up. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Well, it's been a pleasure to chat with you both. Thank you so much. I'm excited for your first NRF, Lucy. Enjoy. Congratulations. <laughs> we'll pop a champagne to celebrate. But um, tomorrow we're going to be back with a couple of retail operators to hear what their reflections are after day one. But until then, we'll see you back again at the NRF Big Show in New York. Thanks, everybody, and thanks, Lucy and Marcy, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.